Welcome to Lincoln. We're a city smack dab in the middle of the country. We're a city that's home to Nebraska's state government, the University of Nebraska, and a host of thriving businesses. We're a city that's loaded with things to do, places to go, and friendly people to meet. This podcast, simply called Lincoln, is designed to help you get to know the people of Lincoln, what makes them tick, and why they're excited to live here. Each episode will feature another of our residents just talking about who they are, what they do, and how they got here. I'm Randy Bretz, and joining me for these conversations is Marilyn Moore. And now, let's meet someone who makes Lincoln their home. Well, our guest today is somebody that's pretty special in my life. I enjoy working with her in Leadership Lincoln. You know, she's been chair of the board, so she's been my boss officially. <laughs> and <laughs> that's I've probably an adventure. <laughs> I've gotten to know a couple of her daughters that are here in town, and uh, she uh, works with the uh, Madonna uh, Foundation. So, Suzanne Chagru, what's your Lincoln story? Well, how did I? <laughs> you said how do you? How did you get here? Yeah. Well. I got here because I was born here. Oh, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I'm actually kind of a fourth-generation Lincolnite, third-generation Lincoln High grad. And um, I, you know, I was thinking about what my Lincoln story is, and it, it really is that I have um, been born into a family that appreciates stories and lore and history. And so um, when I think about Lincoln, I think about the history of Lincoln and my family's kind of embedded in that history. So it feels really natural to talk about Lincoln, to live in Lincoln, because it's just part of our our family lore. I think about um, my grandmother grew up out in the Yankee Hill neighborhood and she had a bunch of brothers and sisters, and it was about the same time that they were building Pioneers Park. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am ashamed to admit that a couple of my great uncles may have um, <laughs> enjoyed and and um, admired the buffalo statue <laughs> <laughs> in some unique and personal ways. <laughs> in u- yes, in unique and personal ways. Um, so, needless to say, the buffalo was a male buffalo, and now the buffalo is no longer a male buffalo because I don't think my great uncles were the only ones that thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> and I didn't know that until uh, a second cousin of mine was in town, uh, his, his grandmother being a, a sister to my grandmother, and so there was that shared lore family lore of exploring Pioneers Park. And my dad took us out there, and then he was explaining to me how naughty, which I kind of already knew, but how naughty my great uncles were. Um, but that was kind of fun. And um, and then we went to Lee's Restaurant right out there uh, for lunch, which, you know, who goes to Lee's for lunch? Not very many people, I guess, on the weekday especially. And... Um, that's where my grandfather and I used to spend our birthdays every year because our birthdays were two days apart. And we would go to Lee's for dinner, and they'd have the sparkler on the birthday cake. 
And then, um, oh gosh, Dorothy Appleby would be playing the piano and the organ, and I would go sit with her, <laughs> also part of Lincoln lore. If you grew up in Lincoln, you went and sat with the, the organ lady at Lee's, and I would beg her to play the baby elephant walk song. <laughs> and she would interview everyone. And then she ha- – I mean, she could have been like um, Art Linkletter, you know. She asked kids questions and kind of polled kids, mm-hmm. you know, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite ice cream? You know, all of those things. So every year – well, even more than that. But every year my grandfather and I would have our birthdays at Lee's Restaurant, usually – his was December 18th, which is also my daughter's birthday, or and mine was December 20th. So I guess part of it is that just living in Lincoln f- for your entire life, you develop kind of those stories and those traditions. But then when your parents and your grandparents also grow up here, um, then you have kind of that shared history. And I have to say my dad is a big storyteller, and, and so – as a kid growing up, I knew all the lore already. Mm-hmm. You know, my parents both went to Lincoln High. They graduated from Lincoln High. And um, the thing to do when they were in high school was to paint the bridge in Antelope Park. Oh, yeah. Don't get I any ride, ideas out I there, ride kids. Because <laughs> it's not allowed anymore. But that was a thing. And so then, of course, when I was in high school, we had to take that tradition as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that tradition went on for a long time. But talking about all the old places in Lincoln where, you know, you went to eat or you went to play miniature golf or the places where you went to goof around or where you worked. Uh, And my uh, grandfather had a dry cleaners just um, a couple blocks from here on um, End Street between 13th and 14th, Gelhar's Cleaners. And he he cleaned a lot of people's clothes, and so he knew a lot of people. And so my first job in Lincoln was in about third grade, third or fourth grade. My best friend and I would go down and bag clothes for my grandfather. <laughs> and and he taught me how to count change. So I don't know. Maybe, you know, Lincoln is just when you grow up here, it's all those great traditions and all of those fun things and all those memories like learning to swim in the Muni pool. Mm-hmm. You know, so you have all that appreciation for that deep history. And then when you have a dad that's a storyteller, and he is a real storyteller, you get even a further appreciation of that. <clears throat> One of the traditions in my family has been to work at Miller & Payne Department Store, which is no longer now is Dillard's. Yeah. Um, shout out to Bob Campbell. <laughs> Not that he'll listen to this, but maybe I'll tell him you should listen to this. Uh, Bob Campbell's another person, you know, the Campbell family. Mm-hmm. Um, but my both my grandmothers and my mom and me, we all worked at Miller and Payne Department Store. And that's kind of that part of Lincoln that's super old school. It was a beautiful building, uh, the downtown store. And, you know, there was all those traditions that people had that make for a, like a really great childhood. You know, riding the bus downtown with my mom. Uh, dressed up, of course, going to Miller and Payne and eating lunch in the tea room. And there were certain things that you ate there, which were great. Uh, Shopping. The the, uh, the, uh, cinnamon rolls. Cinnamon rolls, the macaroni and cheese, the chicken pot pie. Well, my Mm -hmm. mom worked in the tea room when she was in high school. (laughs) What floor was it on? The tea room was on fifth floor. Okay. 
And then there was also kind of a little budget cafeteria in the low, in the basement. Mm-hmm. And then there was a candy shop and there was a bake shop and the, oh my gosh, the crumb cookies were the best and, and the, the orange cookies were so good. And they made all their own candy and, and mints. So she worked in the tea room and because she worked in the tea room, she cut her sandwiches on the diagonal because that, you know, I guess it's kind of fancy. Yeah. But when I went to school and I would pull my sandwich out of my lunchbox, I had my sandwich cut on the diagonal and everyone else had theirs cut straight across. <laughs> I always felt like such a goof, you know, like, why, mom, why do you have to cut my sandwiches different than all the other kids? Well, I can't help it. I worked at Miller and Bain. Anyway. Did she cut the crust off of the bread? Uh, no. No? Okay. No, she didn't cut the crust off. It's because when you pack a sandwich with the crust have been cut off, it just all falls apart. That's so a really that's good point, Marilyn. The filling comes out of it. So your mom was protecting your sandwich. Thank she just made you. it elegant and fancy for you, Suzanne. Yeah, that was really nice. Although one year she she got this idea, this crazy wild hair that – and she was a working mom, and she worked with Marilyn. Mm-hmm. So she got this idea that she would make all of the um, – she would make roast beef salad, ham salad, and chicken salad, a bunch of it, and make a bunch of sandwiches, cut diagonally, mm-hmm. and put them in the freezer – can you see where I'm going with this? And then every morning she would pull a frozen sandwich out and throw it in my lunchbox. And it would be defrosted by noon. And it would be freezer burned and soggy by noon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it tasted like garbage. <laughs> it was a good idea once. I'll it bet was, she didn't repeat it. <laughs> but you know what? She those sandwich. She didn't throw the sandwiches away. I had to keep taking them, keep taking them, keep taking them. Well, that they were gone. your childhood. Yeah. Well, Suzanne, you are, you've just painted a picture of of a childhood in Lincoln that was shared by many, many yeah. kids, and and it's it's just fun to hear those places and what that was like for you as a five year old and an eight year old and eleven year old and a and a high school student. And at some point, you probably had options um, to stay in Lincoln or to leave Lincoln. So, um, how did you think about that? And and obviously, you decided to stay. So, what kept you here? Um, well, when I was a little girl, I remember, um, playing with my friends on St. Mary's Avenue, and there were a lot of kids in that one block, probably 50 or 60, playing with my friends there, and every night was kick the can, or time for the ghost to appear, or trying to catch monarch butterflies that had, um, that were all sunning themselves in the middle of the street, or playing um, Go Fish or Old Maid with um, Grandma uh, All Good, a little old lady who lived on our block. Like, And then later on, just thinking, how did I get so lucky to be born in this exact place and time? I mean, what it, you know, I thought about kids around the world. And what they were going through, and I know that sounds kind of weird, but I I thought, I was born in this exact place and time. How did I get so lucky to be here? And so um, I I guess there were times in my childhood that were hard and had a chronic illness and some other stuff. But, you know, by and large, I thought, Lincoln, you know, I love living here, and I live a charmed life, and... um, I love the people that I know, and I, I love to know a lot of people, not because I want to, you know, brag about that. I just 
uh, and my I think my parents are the same way. You grow up here, you're you know third or fourth generation. You do know a lot of people, but I truly love knowing people and making friends with people. And so when you grow up surrounded by all this great stuff, comforting stuff, but great traditions and fun stuff and parents and both sets of grandparents who live here that, you know, love you and friends, um, I just, and four seasons and a great dog, like all those things. I just couldn't imagine living anywhere except for I did have that dream of being Mary Tyler Moore. And In Minneapolis? Walk, well, not Minneapolis. I've, <laughs> her lifestyle, but New York City or something oh, like uh-huh. that, you know, walking down the street, throwing my hat up in the air and being the, the, the young woman in the big city, I did have that dream. Um, but then when it came time for college, I don't know, I was like, oh, yeah, University of Nebraska, of course, that's where I'm going. My parents encouraged that. And I just kind of did all the things that people expect you to do. You know, mm-hmm. you, you do this, you do that, you graduate from high school, you go to University of Nebraska, you graduate, the, you know, like all the things. And I originally had felt like law school. So I was a poli sci major. But when I got to college, it was like, mm, I don't know. Is this, I don't know what I want to be doing. This isn't really me. So I left, went to work for a while, met my husband. We got married. Um, and had three awesome kids, and what a great place to raise kids. Yeah. And then I went. I you know I still had that nagging itch though, so I went back to Southeast Community College, got a two-year degree, kept having the nagging itch. Went to Wesleyan, got you know my undergraduate, and recently had the nagging itch again and got my MBA from <laughs> Wesleyan. But in the meantime, the things that always made sense about Lincoln and were important to me about Lincoln, you know, um, having a great school experience, having a great neighborhood experience, being able to ride your bike to the pool or to Ben Franklin for penny candy. And it truly was like penny, nickel and dime then Mm -hmm. riding to the Dairy Queen or Zestos, you know, all of those things that made it great when I was a kid also made it great as a parent. And then I, then I kind of thought, well, there's always, I can travel and I love to travel, but it, so it's home. And I thought about this last night, Randy, I have only lived in four zip codes, which (laughs) some people might think is sad, but I don't know. Well, let me ask you this. You've you've painted almost a a, a movie picture of a life. (laughs) I can see you going down the street with the trees and riding your bike to get ice cream at Zesto and whatever. Uh, what do you tell people that uh, move here, why they should live here? I mean, you grew up here, and so here you are. But uh, somebody moving here from California or Chicago or wherever. Well, now my reasons have probably changed because, um, you know, the world has changed. I've changed. Mm-hmm. Well, by and large, I'm still me, but um, so the things that make Lincoln cool now are a mix of what they were cool when I was a kid, but also there's so much more. I mean, there are people from 
all over the world living here, which is very cool. We have people that are doing interesting things like podcasts, you know, <laughs> and interviewing people from Lincoln. We have people opening nonprofit coffee shops and people that are organizing um, music festivals and public art spaces and um, people coming here from around the country to live. And the, the community is growing, which is exciting. I mean, it was, you know, way smaller when I was ha probably, well, two-thirds the size, you know, it was maybe 100... 150,000 people when I was a kid, and now we're at almost three in the metro area. Mm -hmm. That makes it sound really big, the metro, but in Lincoln and Lancaster County. <laughs> so the cool things about it now are that it's becoming a much more diverse city, which I went to, at the time, a really diverse high school. I was really proud of that. I went to Lincoln High. It wasn't as diverse as I thought it was compared to now. But oh, yeah. But it was the most diverse. Um, I was really proud of that. Um, it's like the United Nations. You go in there now. Yeah, it's it great. It's just amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, and I'm really proud that our community continues to support um, people coming here from other countries, continues to support education, um, continues to make the world bigger while still enjoying kind of kind of a small town feel. I mean, you could still take the bus downtown to go to the library like my mom and I did and what and and that we have such great amenities in our city that are still, you know, like going to the library. That's mm -hmm. free. Part part of that small town feel, I think, is because we're a connected city. Mm-hmm. Uh, people know each other. It's hard to go anywhere without running into people that you know. Yes. Uh, and I think uh, you, you are just stepping down as chairman of the Board of Leadership Lincoln. And I think Leadership Lincoln contributes to that. Absolutely. Tell, tell me a little bit more about the, uh, the organization. Well, um, Leadership Lincoln helps emergent leaders and leaders make a stronger Lincoln. And I think if you look back at the graduates of all the Leadership Lincoln programs, those folks are spread out across the city. And it's like this really, I, I want to say like a great fraternal organization um, that you have this common experience and common bond but I don't know, Randy, I don't know if it's that people choose to participate in Leadership Lincoln because they're a certain type of person, because they're a person that likes connectedness, mm -hmm. that I am certainly a person that likes connectedness and relationships. And I was so excited to be able to participate in Leadership Lincoln back in the day. Um, class 19, best class ever, shout out to them. <laughs> um, but um, so maybe it's just that there's a certain type of person that says, yes, mm -hmm. I want to participate in this great group of people, learn all about my community, 
um, learn about the challenges and the great things and meet other people that feel like I do about being a servant leader? Or are there people that, you know, maybe their business says, hey, we'll sponsor you to be in this program for a year and you'll learn all this great stuff and it'll make you a better employee and also it'll be better for our business, mm -hmm. you know? But in in doing that, they also become people that like to be relators and like to be connected. Um, one, but th one thing I've heard is, uh, and I think it was uh, somebody who was in our youth program, put it this way. She said, uh, when you're in high school, you kind of live in a bubble. You just know the people in your, mostly in your high school and in your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And participating in the Youth Leadership Lincoln program helped this Person, and I think many people reach outside of that bubble and get to know people in other from other aspects in other parts of the city. That's a really great point. When I did it in the early 2000s, I was the only nonprofit person in my – I was mm. in the fellows cohort. Mm -hmm. I was the only nonprofit person, and I felt like the whole year I kept saying, you know, speaking up and saying, but wait a minute, not everyone <laughs> – lives like you do. Not everyone feels mm -hmm. like you do. Not everyone comes from the same place that you do. Um, not everyone had their tuition paid for by their employer. You know, um, I felt like I was kind of a voice in the wilderness at that point. But that at that point, there were also way less nonprofits in, in, in Lincoln, way less. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't on people's radar. And now, that's another cool thing about Lincoln. Now, it if you want to do something good in this world, there are so many opportunities just right here in Lincoln, Nebraska. You can start your own nonprofit, although Randy Hawthorne, I mean. <laughs> He'll talk you out of it. <laughs> He'll talk you out of it. Um, you can go serve on a board. You can go work for a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there are a lot of ways to be involved. And I just wanted to go back really quickly about Leadership Lincoln. If you look at all those alums, they're in every part of this city and to a large extent our state Oh, absolutely. and have impacted by being um, in public office, by being leaders in their businesses, by being leaders in their communities. Um, it's kind of stunning how many people have gone through the program and then gone on to serve the, their community in some capacity. And that's something that I'm really proud of. I'm proud to be a part of that group, you know, to even be mentioned in the same breath. Suzanne, you mentioned at the beginning that um, because, you've, because you've lived here and be, uh, because you've been involved in a number of different things, you, you know lots of people, you know people wherever you go, and I, and, and I know that to be true. I'm... I'm I'm trying to get a, a feel for what it is like if you're a newcomer to our community and you don't, not only do you not know lots of people, you don't know anybody. And um, you may have come for a job or you may have come for a spouse's job. Mm -hmm. And thinking about, um, I mean, Leadership Lincoln is a great opportunity for 60 people a year to connect. Um, but how do, how do we create opportunities in this city for other people to become a part of that connection because I think every time, every time a connection happens, it makes a stronger community, and um, uh, and I'm just, 
I'm just kind of struggling for how to, is there a way to put it? You can't put a structure in place, but I don't know whether it's a matter of attitudes or openness or um, outreach on the part of those of us that have lived here for decades. I'm, I'm just not sure how to make that happen, but I think there are many newcomers who they don't go into a coffee shop and see mm -hmm. people they know. They don't go into the library and see people they know. They don't go to the theater and see people they know. They don't, they don't have a way to get connected so what um, what ideas do you have about that? Because you're a person who values connectedness a lot, and I think it makes a stronger community if we can make that happen. Um, that's a really <clears throat> good point, Marilyn. Uh, I live next door to a person that grew up in Connecticut. Her husband grew up in Missouri. And on the other side of me, a woman from Sweden. And then... Her husband grew up in Minnesota, and <clears throat> and the, there are other people on my block that have grown up in other places. And one of the things they say to me is that sometimes it is hard. You know, everyone's nice. Mm -hmm. Yes, everyone's, I hear that over too. Yeah, a, a everyone's lot. nice in Lincoln, <clears throat> but sometimes it's hard to like find. You know, like because you've grown up in Lincoln, mm -hmm. you have kind of those embedded friendships that you've had your whole life. And up until ten years ago. My best friend since I was 18 months old was still my best friend. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so that that would that is really hard. And I think one thing um, as servant leaders is that we reach out to people and pull people in and include people. One of the reasons, and I'm sure you can attest to this too, Marilyn. One of the reasons we know a lot of people is because we're involved in a mm -hmm. lot of things. And so I think if a person is wanting to get involved in Lincoln or wanting to meet new people, it's to volunteer and get involved in something. It's to do something like Leadership Lincoln. It is to go serve at the Gathering Place or Matt Talbot Kitchen. It is to join um, a house of worship of some kind or, or – um, A Rotary Club. Or a Rotary <laughs> Club, for example. Um, or – and not everyone's comfortable with this, but introduce yourself, you know, if you're sitting next to someone at an event or whatever, um, is to just throw yourself out there. And if you don't, we'll do it for you. <laughs> uh, she, yeah. You just made me think of uh, Jan and I moved here 40 years ago, and she came home from the grocery store, I don't know, the first or second week we were here. She said, I can't believe this place is so friendly. Yeah. Somebody just started talking to me in the grocery store. Yeah. You know, I'm picking out a tomato or a, <laughs> or, or a bunch of grapes, and the person next to me just started talking. And she said, they're so friendly. Yeah. But I think it's incumbent upon us that have lived here a long time to also reach out and include people. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, Yeah. And so actually, you know, for us, it was including our neighbors in holiday celebrations when they weren't going home. It was just kind of embedding them in our lives. And it's real easy to just stay kind of in your own, like you said, your own bubble. Mm -hmm. But um, as leaders and as people that have been blessed to live here a long time, I think we need to reach out to people and pull them in and make our friend groups bigger, you know. 
I think your neighbors are really lucky to have you for neighbors, Suzanne. <laughs> I don't know, Marilyn. <laughs> I think that is true because I think that just what you mentioned, that is sometimes truly one of the loneliest times yeah. for people that um, are relatively new in the community, far from family, and those times that families get together, it, it just accentuates how far they are from their family if they're if they're not with their family. Yeah. So to be um, welcomed into another family is a hugely important move to make. Yeah. And, and you have a great family. Well, thank you. I do. One thing, though, you know, when you have a, you live in it <clears throat> and on a street that I do that, you know, it's wonderful and I have great neighbors and there's lots of social interaction, but that doesn't always lend itself to interacting with people that don't live on my yes. street. Mm-hmm. So for me, I need to do a better job of, getting out and meeting people that I wouldn't necessarily meet and pulling them into my friend group. And, you know, my family's like, oh, my gosh, mom. You know, and maybe it has... The, you brought home another stray That's dog. right. <laughs> That's exactly right. And I have at least one child that also rolls like I do. Uh-huh. And there are always any number of people... At our house on holidays that I've never met before. <laughs> and, but that's and fun. It is. It is fun. It is. it is. Including someone that's working in the coffee shop downstairs today. <laughs> She's been to my house on holidays. Uh, we've talked about your childhood. Talked about <laughs> Leadership Lincoln and other things. We haven't talked about what you do for a living. I think that is one of the worst kept secrets of Lincoln, our best kept secrets. People just don't know about Madonna. So tell us about that. Uh, Madonna Rehabilitation Hospital mm-hmm. is the only independent rehab hospital in the state. We now have two campuses, one in Lincoln and one in Omaha. Um, Modern Healthcare Magazine uh, said last summer that we're the 12th largest rehab hospital in the country. Wow. We're um, not part of any system, and so we're totally self-supporting, and we see people, the top 1% in the nation in medical complexity, people with spinal cord injuries, traumatic brain injuries, neurological disorders, pulmonary issues, strokes. Um, They're the sickest of the sick, and they come to us after they've been in a traditional acute care hospital, so like a Brian mm-hmm. or a St. E's, they come to us to get better, get stronger, get back to their life roles, whatever that looks like. It doesn't always look like what they were doing before, but our job is to get them back to their fullest lives possible. And kids, adults, I think our youngest patient has been 22 days old. And we have a specialized oh, wow. pediatric children's hospital um, it's for, for people outside of Lincoln. Uh, well, I, I've lived here for forty years, and and I've, I know I've told you this. I've driven by Madonna Rehabilitation Hospital hundreds, thousands of times. Never really appreciated what went on there mm-hmm. until I got to know you. Mm-hmm. Well, as Leadership Lincoln met there, yeah, for one of our programs, and I it was just an eye opener. And you helped me put together a presentation yeah. with. Uh, talking about a young lady from California that was in a horrible car accident. Yes. And how they worked with her to rehabilitate her. And 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 um, Alexis Verzel. Yes. 
Yeah. What, a, what an amazing story. Yes. Uh, how do you feel at the end of a day when you walk out of there and you realize that you work at a place like that? Um, well, there's a lot of grace. Mm -hmm. People say, isn't it hard to work there to see people that are so sick and so injured? And it actually is not. It's actually the biggest blessing of my life because I know that if they're going to get better anywhere, they're going to get better at Madonna. So I feel really good that they're there. Not that I want anyone to have to come to Madonna and use our services. Mm -hmm. But if they're going to get better, that's where they're going to get better. And that makes me feel great because it's like a, like a parent knowing your child's at home. It's the safest, best place. You've got them right there and you can um, provide comfort and – and education and uh, this also, I'm sorry, goes back to my childhood too. My grandparents lived four blocks from Madonna. Oh. So I went by Madonna a lot. I uh -huh. Actually, I should sit down and calculate how many times I've been up and down South Street in my entire life. <laughs> it's been a lot. Um, but I, before I went to work there, I used to just think of the nuns and the nursing home. And, you know, I remember what the old campus looked like when I was a little kid. Mm -hmm. And when I went to take a tour of Madonna myself, I could not believe what was going on there. And, you know, that we're doing, we have a research institute that we're um, providing technology solutions for patients that that we are um, providing outpatient, that we're providing support groups, like all the things I had no idea. And I had, you know, it, especially when you grow up here, you have just this certain idea that it's a nursing home. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> while we do have extended care like that, it's so much more. And the fact that we were treating kids just really blew me away. And the research part really blew me away as well. So... It is a gift to walk in those doors every day. And when I say walk, that's also a gift mm -hmm. because I get to see a lot of people that maybe won't ever get to do that again or their walk will look a lot different. And again, it's a place, another place where I've met a ton of friends, not just employees, but you get to – because our patients are there, average length of stay is about 30 days – you get to know the patients, and we did get to know Alexis. And you know why I first met Alexis, who's I might add is she's the namesake of our children's unit. <clears throat> she uh, was doing therapy in the hall, and I saw her, and she looked just like my daughter Lily at that age. Oh, really? <laughs> and it was stunning, actually, mm -hmm. really stunning. And I went home and I found a picture, and I and I chased down her mom. And I said, look at this. She goes, where did you get a picture of Alexis at? I'm like, this isn't Alexis. This is my daughter. <laughs> and that started a bond. And then my daughter, the one that, you know, Alexis, you know, her doppelganger, actually was one of the first people to actually babysit Alexis after her injury. And, and if, if you don't know, Alexis was a little girl who was a normally developing toddler in Temple, Texas, and was dropped off at daycare and was injured at daycare. And <clears throat> 45 minutes later, she was being life flighted to a hospital. What they think happened was that she was shaken and thrown against a wall and suffered um, shaken baby, a brain injury. 
And when she got here, she couldn't see. Um, yeah, actually, so she was in the hospital there for about two weeks, and her parents were told, well, take her home and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And I think that happens with a lot of kids because they're so portable. You can yeah. carry them. She was um, – her eyes were kind of rolled back in her head. She was cortically blind. Um, so her eyes weren't damaged, but the connection between her eyes and her brain mm-hmm. was damaged. Um, she was a rag doll. She was not running, hopping, skipping, walking, crawling. She couldn't suck. She couldn't swallow. She could, you know, she was, she couldn't talk. Like all of the words that she had as a toddler were gone. I mean, really, she was basically just a little, like kind of a rag doll. And when they said, take her home and see what happens, her parents were like, well, that's no, that's that not going to work. work. Yeah. It's not a good option. No, it's not a good option. And so they were checking around with some of the therapists, and one of the therapists there actually had a friend here at Madonna, a therapist, and they said, well, there is this place in Lincoln, Nebraska. Well, amazingly, Alexis's parents actually met at UNL, mm-hmm. at the University of Nebraska. And so they were like, oh, yes, we'll go there. One family was in Cozad, one family was in Omaha. It made a lot of sense to come to Lincoln. And then they've been with us forever. And now Alexis is 11. I think about that, yeah. Well, wait a minute. She's going to be in seventh grade in the fall. She came to us without anything, and she can read and see and talk and sing and has a this fabulous imagination and is working on her walking skills. And she has been able to walk and um, continues as she grows, you know, those therapy, she'll probably never graduate from therapy, maybe when she's an adult, but, you know, Mm -hmm. because as she grows, everything is changing with her body. So there's continual fine tuning that goes on. And so Lily was one of the first babysitters that they allowed to, leave Alexis with because obviously you'd be very nervous about leaving your child without, you know, someone besides family. And she and Alexis, Lily and Alexis, just two peas in a pod. And Alexis actually ended up being um, the flower girl in Lily, Lily's wedding, Lily and John's (laughs) wedding, which was amazing. And, um, and then they get to work together on something that's really special in Lincoln, Nebraska, which is the Penguin Project. Oh, yeah. At the Lincoln Community Playhouse. We could go on for hours about that project. Yes, we could. Um, And I'm on the board of the Playhouse, which is also an awesome opportunity to get involved in the community. But that play is a play for children with disabilities. They are the artists. They have onstage mentors who are in costume, who know their lines, who are just there for the assist. But, and Alexis has participated in that, and Lily helps produce that. Makes me cry. I know, it makes me cry, too. When I go to those shows. Oh, my gosh, yes. Well, Suzanne, you have painted just a beautiful picture. If I didn't already live here, I'd want to move here just to get (laughs) to know you. uh, Of of your childhood, of your adult life with your children, of the work that you do, Leadership Lincoln. Uh, I want to. I want to have one final question, uh, and I'm anxious to hear what your answer is. Uh, how how would Lincoln? What would you do to make Lincoln better? Lincoln would be better if. 
Oh, wow. Uh, Lincoln would be better if we could continue to identify children who need our support in mm. our community. Uh, also, new Americans in our community that need our support. Um, that we can, it would be better if we can continue, and I think this really happens a lot, but we could do a better job if we could continue to provide access to a beautiful childhood for every child in Lincoln, like I had. Um, and that probably looks a million different ways, what, what would have to happen. Um, but if I, if I could grant every child in Lincoln the kind of childhood I had, um, and I know the education is there, we have great schools, but if we could surround those families and we have community learning centers, there's so many good things happening to help support families, both, you know, native Lincolnites and new Lincolnites, new Americans. Mm -hmm. But I guess if we could just continue to make that stronger and, and if we could help our fellow adults in, in Lincoln see the importance of granting every child that kind of a childhood, whatever supports that might be. Um, and then I think also we need to keep um, supporting um, our city leaders and, and do it ourselves, encouraging uh, positive growth and job opportunities. Because, um, you know, Lincoln has grown, and I think pe some people say, oh, I love that small-town feel. Why would we want to get rid of that? Well, I don't think we want to get rid of that. But I think we need to keep providing opportunities then for young adults to find great jobs, mm -hmm. um, fun things to do, um, things that are affordable, um, so many opportunities. So as adults, I think we need to keep providing and looking for ways to provide opportunities for the next generation. You know, I'm, I'm pretty set. So I... Me and my friends and my family, I think I think we do this, but I'm there's way more we can do, is to provide those opportunities for other people, whatever that might look like, whatever our passions are, you know, whether that's through our church or through um, organizations like Leadership Lincoln or um, being involved in one of the higher ed, um, you know. I didn't get to mention Nebraska Wesleyan because I'm a graduate from Wesleyan twice over, and what an amazing place that is. Mm -hmm. um, so I, th I think we just need to keep looking for opportunities ourselves to provide opportunities for the next generation. Okay. Well, thank you. Do you have any other questions? Not a word. <laughs> thank you very much. Thanks for having me today. Oh, sure. Well... Thanks for listening in as we talk with someone who helps make Lincoln special. If you live here, drop us a note and let us know what you think about Lincoln. If you've moved away, well, we'd love to welcome you back. And if you've only heard about or visited Lincoln, 
We just know you'd love it here. Join us again and catch someone from Lincoln talking about why they love Lincoln and why you should too.